What is going on everyone? This is Miles with Windows Central Gaming and welcome to the 61st episode of Xbox Chatter Days. Today I am stoked to be joined once again by my good pal Ainsley Bowden of Seasoned Gaming. Ains, how are you doing on this fine Saturday? What is happening, dude? I am good, man. I I, I don't think I could be a lot better, honestly. Like yeah. I had had yesterday off like uh you know we get some great new games we got kirby we got ghostwire we got tiny tina's all in one day we got oh. evil dead beta i mean i had i just sat at home last night had some drinks played some games i mean it's be weather's beautiful it's nothing to complain about man it's beautiful ah oh, dude that's exactly how i feel this friday was so stacked with game releases so many exciting things to to dive into and to play obviously evil dead the game Obviously, Kirby, uh, Ghostwire, Tokyo, Tiny Tina. It, it was a ridiculous Friday. It was a great yeah. way to kick off the weekend. And nice. I'm excited to have you on the show today <laughs> so we can talk about all the gaming news of the week. We're going to be diving into our thoughts on the first episode of the Halo TV series. Yeah. We're going to be talking about the growth of Xbox Game Pass and Indies per Sarah Bond and Phil Spencer at GDC. Uh, we're going to be hosting an epic battle of the of the Xbox mascots. <laughs> so if you're joining us live, we're going to have some fun. We are going to pit iconic Xbox characters head to head and vote on the top five most iconic Xbox mascots. So if you're watching now, stick around because that's going to be a, a great kind of climax and a fun way to kick off the rest of this weekend. But before we dive into all of that, Ains, for the amazing people joining us today, let them know who you are and where they can find you. Yeah, man. So, um, yeah, I'm the uh, editor-in-chief over at Season Gaming. So uh, just an independent outlet that covers all gaming platforms. So obviously we talk a lot about Xbox, but we cover everything. Uh, and our, our thing really is there's no monetization, no ads, no nothing. We just cover the industry out of kind of a passion for it. So uh, we have a weekly live show every Sunday morning, which uh, you've joined us on. Uh, we do all kinds of other stuff on our YouTube channel, which has seen some amazing growth lately so uh if you like a channel that doesn't you know doesn't mess around with the nonsense just really talks about tech and and all the gaming platforms and games uh check that out and uh man it's been awesome lately just a good ride with a lot of good people good community and some really solid growth so that's what i'm up to you love to hear it again yeah i've been on your show if you folks haven't checked out season gaming Give those folks a watch, a listen, a read, a lot of great content coming out of there. You're someone I always enjoy talking to, so excited to have you on today. Thanks, Before we start diving into all the topics, just some quick housekeeping stuff. Um, if you are listening to the audio version of the show on your favorite podcast services, be sure to give us a review. We're a little late to the game though, there, so uh, your reviews definitely help out. Um, if you're watching live, hit that like button, share it out. Let's get straight into it. So I know a lot of people have been saying that, you know, Xbox has been quiet. There hasn't been a lot of big Xbox news, but Xbox quietly secured one of the biggest exclusives of the year. And that's the Evil Dead beta, y'all. Evil Dead, the game beta dropped exclusively on Xbox this Friday. Huge, huge. huge. And I was hoping we could talk about it. Unfortunately, we can't share our impressions, but... If you are part of the Xbox Insider program, you can sign up right now. You can go play it right now. I highly recommend you do so. Um, I'm hoping to be able to share some thoughts in the coming weeks, but for now, we can't say anything about it officially. But other than they, you can't invert your controls in the beta. Oh, no. Yeah. And um, Kill me. 
I think that was by design. I think they were like, you know what? If you play inverted, you don't get to play it. All right. Get out of here. Retrain your brain and accept the truth of how to use sticks. All right. You inverted heathens. But that got me thinking because Evil Dead, the game, wasn't the only big asymmetrical horror related news we got this week. Uh, we also got the reveal of Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, which is another asymmetrical 4v1 horror game that puts you in the shoes of Ghostbusters hunting ghosts, using iconic ghost-busting wet weapons, your proton, proton pack, your ghost traps, all of that great stuff. We didn't get a lot, but we did get a, a few little bits and pieces of gameplay from this. So, Ains, yeah. after this revealed trailer, after seeing that, you know, Greg Miller, Raha Kali's involved, Rahul, Rahul Kali. Um, where are you at? Are you excited about this? Are you a Ghostbusters fan? And did this reveal oh, yeah. do anything for you as a Ghostbusters it, fan then? Yeah, man. I'm, you know, I'm old. So grew up with the Ghostbusters. I mean, the original movie is part of my childhood. Love the movies. I actually watched After, Afterlife recently. Really enjoyed it. Um but the reveal didn't do a whole lot for me. <laughs> uh, I'm always excited about a new Ghostbusters game, especially if it's good, like the the remaster we got last year. Um, but the I don't know your thoughts, man. Four v one asymmetrical. Just I don't know. It just feels like that is um, it. It's it has to be done very well to work well, and it's it feels like those types of games. Uh, tried to have their moment. We had the Evolves of the World. Um, and, you know, there's a few other games that have really tried it. And I, I've i never been fully engrossed in one um, that I didn't love purely out of love for the IP. So even though I love Ghostbusters, um, I, I'm, I'm not fully confident that this is going to uh, thrive with a, a big community. I don't know. Maybe I'm being yeah. negative. but We're, yeah, it's, it's tough to say because we are seeing a lot more asymmetrical horror games in the space right now. Obviously, Evolve was the first major one to drop out, and that was a game that I thought really struggled to find its balance. It, it, yeah. it had a really interesting idea. It looked beautifully. It was from the people who made Left 4 Dead, so there was some pedigree behind it, but then it came out, and there was just some fundamental problems with how it played and the yeah. loop to me was not compelling. Didn't feel great. And that was kind of frustrating. So I saw the ghostbusters game. I had heard about the ghostbusters game ahead of launch. I think actually Greg Miller accidentally re revealed it on when he was on, <laughs> but uh, didn't say anything at the time, but yeah, ghostbusters is an interesting one to do asymmetrical. Like, if this was just yeah. a, a four-player co-op game, I would have been all in, ready to go. Exactly. I, I could see how that would work. I could see that being fun. But then you throw in the dynamic of the, the one person being the ghost. And I wonder what that loop is going to look like. Because it is hard to nail that loop. Dead by Daylight, kind of one of the most iconic ones. Yeah. But I feel like it's mostly iconic because of the cool crossovers that it gets. <laughs> the gameplay loop, yeah. as much time as I've put into Dead by Daylight... The gameplay loop of just fixing the generators is kind of boring, kind of, kind of annoying after five plus years. Um, so I'm hopeful. I wasn't blown away per se by what we saw by the reveal for Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, but as a Ghostbusters fan, as a fan of asymmetrical horror titles, um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that's good. 
Well, yeah, that's that's the thing, right? It's like you've got to, the onus on making the game fun comes a lot on the one, right? Because if if you're just four teaming up and and the one is either goofing off or not competent, I mean, they have to be kind of really into it. They have to be competent. They have to know all the mechanics. And that just becomes very challenging. It, it relies a lot on that one making the game fun for the rest of the people. And that's, I think, where they can get into trouble kind of easily. So. Yes. So what would your hopes be for, for the Ghostbusters game? What does it need to do to be a successful asymmetrical horror game that has a chance to sell Ains, who's been skeptical on the genre <laughs> in the past? I would say, they going back to the one, right? They have to make it very easy for the one to uh, kind of put up a fight, if you will. Like, allow maybe some PvE elements or maybe some assist characters, ghosts, what have you, for that one ghost. Make interacting with the environment very easy. Uh, just just make it easy and simple for the one to be competent. Because if you make it too complicated, then it's going to take far too long for people being the one, excuse me, to, uh, you know, to really kind of understand it. And then you're going to have this really small slice of people that, one, like being the one. Because you know as well as I do, a lot of people are going to want to be the Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. um, so you oh, have yeah. to like being the one. And then you have to be learn it and be good at it. And I think... That's that's a tough ass. So the 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 less barriers of entry they can make for and the kind of encouragement to want to be the one and to make it easy to be good at, I think it's the only way this is successful. Yeah, it's it is a delicate balance because uh, yeah. when I play these games, I want to be part of the co-op squad. I usually have a gang of friends yeah. who want to play together. And so I'm almost never the the one almost never the one don't get a lot of practice with the one. And so that is where things get interesting is like you have to find the people who want to play this multi asymmetrical multiplayer game alone and by themselves. And yeah. so is Ghostbusters that? Because quite frankly, like when I saw the gameplay of the Ghostbusters in this, I was excited about all the, the iconic gadgets. Yeah, but when yeah, I saw yeah. the gameplay of the ghost, I was like, oh, that doesn't look fun. That doesn't <laughs> exactly. look like what I want to do at all. So... Hopefully yeah. with these games, they also incorporate like an AI mode so you can just squat up and you don't have yeah, exactly. to necessarily worry about the human element in there and you could just squat up, enjoy it as a, as a cool little ground based co-op experience because yeah. that has been the problem that some of the other games have struggled with. Dead by Daylight. Still, I, I tried to matchmake when the, the new ring update dropped a few days or yeah, like yeah. a week ago. It took me five minutes to match. It took me five minutes to solo queue as a survivor. And I'm like, mm. oh man, that is, that's not a good sign when you have this big crossover come out and with crossplay turned on, it takes five minutes to match make. And that's something that Dead by Daylight has struggled with in the past is they have this imbalance of how players queue to play the game. And yeah. that hurts the player base. Um, what were your thoughts on Friday the 13th? That one that you played, got into? Played it a little bit. I had a friend who was really into it, who would always try to get me to play it. You know what I mean? And I think we all know it was a little janky, right? It had, oh, yeah. uh, oh, it was, yeah. it's really rough around the edges, especially at launch. They did some good work on it, but um, I don't know. I think that was, that's a little more. Uh, so if you think about the Ghostbusters, right? What's iconic about the Ghostbusters is the Ghostbusters themselves and their gadgets, as you said. The the ghosts aren't iconic. Everyone knows Slimer, but he's yeah. not iconic, right? Um. Whereas if you think about Friday the 13th, what's iconic about it is Jason. So I think you, you kind of, and you know, people want to be Jason hunting down the teenagers at the camp. And so I think that was a little easier 
for people, you know, wanting to be Jason. Whereas in this conversation, now you've got someone who just wants to be a random ghost. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of strange. So, I mean, Friday 13th was okay. I, I wish that they wouldn't have abandoned it so early. I know that, you know, uh, the realities of the situation and the player count and the financials all, all come into play there. But um, I, I'm, you know, we, we keep joking about Evil Dead. Like, I'm super excited to see uh, how Evil Dead does because I, it just feels like that is a more uh, approachable setup for, a, a, you know, a tenure of a game than what we've seen out of some of these other ones. Well, you see, Evil Dead for Game Pass. That is the get. That was the one I was pushing <laughs> when it was originally scheduled for February. I was like, put it in Game Pass. With yeah. the multiplayer element, it's going to be a hit. Um, now that it's dropping in May, let's do it. Let's push for... Let's push for Evil Dead in Game Pass. And um, it doesn't mean anything that's being tested currently on Xbox, really insider thing at all in that regard. But um, clearly Xbox is interested in it. So, you know, I'm, I'm pushing for it. I'm a champion for it. And if it happens, boom. Yeah. Biggest multiplayer game of 2022. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's a perfect game for Game Pass, as you're alluding to. I mean, the games like that need population right i mean all games need population but you know what i mean a, a game like that specifically is better when more people are playing it so um yeah let's hope let's hope let's hope that's a game that would live and die by its community so we got to yeah. make sure got to pump those numbers up uh <laughs> and again can't wait until i can talk about it because i have some thoughts for sure as a huge evil dead fan um let me get to a quick super chat here from hey blinken Hey, Miles, I literally had to uninstall Evil Dead because of no inverted controls. Hey, see? I start, started FPS console games with GoldenEye, which, uh, see, that's it. That's your problem. Like, the, my wife is the same way. Everyone I know who does inverted is because of GoldenEye. And GoldenEye, <laughs> as much as I loved it, it's the devil. I played GoldenEye. I played GoldenEye growing up, and my brain was still like, no, what on earth? As soon as I had an option to not do inverted, this is, I'm not flying, all right? When you're flying, I get it. I can totally get inverted. When you're aiming a gun, come on now. Down should not be up. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all about tilting your head. You know, you push <laughs> forward to look down and pull back to look okay, up. Okay, see, yeah, that's that hurts my brain to try to like think about that. Uh, in some other asymmetrical multiplayer horror news, we got an update on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. So... Ghostbusters is being developed by Ilphonic, who developed Friday the 13th, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre is being published by Gunn, who published Friday the 13th. So there's this interesting synergy here between these these developers and publishers, and they are going back to the licensed asymmetrical horror well with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And they revealed basically the breakdown of the four main characters we're going to play. We still haven't seen any official gameplay for this. We haven't seen anything except for like uh, a screenshot of all of their asses in like 70s jeans. <laughs> we, we did get that. So that's something. Yeah. I, well, first, let's not talk about the new movie um, because oof. Oof. Um, yeah, that was oof, man. I should have listened to you. I should have listened to you. Um, one thing I forgot to mention with Ghostbusters real quick is Ilphonic. And I certainly don't uh, want to disparage developers. But, um, you know, what happened with Friday the 13th was, you know, uh, one example. But remember, Ilphonic also made Predator Hunting Grounds. Yes. And that that game was, not, not again, I don't like to kind of poke fun, but that game was almost dead on arrival. 
I mean, I, I played it for 10 minutes. I think a lot of people did that, and it was like, okay, we're done with this. Um, so that that is partially what concerns me about Ghostbusters 2. I need to see that Ilphonic can develop a game that launches, is ready to go, and has decent mechanics. You know what I mean? Because um, I don't know. Yeah, I checked, I checked out um, Predator Hunting Grounds via PlayStation Plus. Um, exactly. And yeah, I played a couple rounds. It wasn't bad. It had some really cool ideas. But yeah, the... I think part of it was the source material. It's just, it's a hard thing to transition into an asymmetrical multiplayer game. And a part of it was just, I didn't care for the loop, really. Like, I yeah. didn't care for how big the maps were. I didn't really care for the overall first-person shooter meets horror survival thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I understand the skepticism there. Because, again, Friday the 13th, as much as I loved it, and I, I absolutely loved how it managed to capture the feeling of being in a horror movie yeah. and playing that game in game chat is one of my favorite video game memories because you're just, you're creeping around with your friends, you're whispering to each other so that Jason can't hear you. And there was this really amazing experience with that. I did not yeah. get that experience at all with predator hunting ground. No, not no. even a little bit. The fact that it was, it was PS plus and died like immediately. I mean, pretty much says it all. Um, but Chains, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, again, is uh, you've got a very similar situation, right? I mean, the iconic character is Leatherface. Um, and you've got a situation where if you create a survival type of aspect with a group of people trying to get away from Leatherface, I mean, you've you got a very, very similar setup to what Friday the 13th was, right? So it's really going to come down again. You've said it multiple times now. With these games, it comes down to the gameplay loop. When you log in, whether you're... Leatherface or you're a survivor and you say a match is 15 minutes on average, whatever it may be, right? What are you doing in that 15 minutes? And is it interesting? Is it intriguing, right? Does it, is it fun? And does it make you want to immediately load up and play another match? And I, exactly. That, that's where a lot of these games struggle. It's like, well, it's, you know, the ideas aren't bad. The IP is not bad. There's, there's some cool features and stuff, but do you want to continue playing it match after match? Um, and I, I I don't think that's necessarily been fully solved yet. As much as I thought Friday 13th, to your point, the the recreation of Crystal Lake and Jason and being hunted and kind of the cabins and everything was awesome. It was really, really cool. Um, and I know there's a, a core community that loved that game to death. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I just, on a broad scale, I don't think they've nailed uh, what it means to just you know, have a broad community just want to keep playing it over and over again, match after match. I don't know how I, you know, I don't have the answer. Someone's got to solve that equation. Somebody, yeah, somebody's got to figure that out. And yeah. that I really wonder what the loop of Texas Chainsaw Massacre would be. I, cause that's another one I'm having a hard time picturing. Is it just like Friday the 13th where we are in kind of the, it's the South of the United States in the seventies <laughs> and we are trying to, escape a farm like what are we trapped at first like are we captured and we have to escape from the basement and like find a way to escape this house what do you yeah. think the gameplay loop is i don't know just don't get on the bus apparently yeah uh <laughs> but <laughs> but uh no i don't know that that's the exact question right what what would be most interesting to play that you start captured and you have to do like an escape room before you die uh i don't know uh, how think, do you make that? How do you make that interesting? See, I think I think that angle to me is more interesting than 
just taking Friday the 13th foundation and making that Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Sure. Because that's that's always the loop of Texas Chainsaw Massacre as as the survivor, is you are captured unwittingly. You're in a situation where you have to break free from these this crazed family. And I yeah. think having that dynamic and trying to collaborate with your friends to, you know, unlock someone else's handcuffs, like one keys in your room and you can go and unlock your friend who's trapped. I think something like that would be a little more interesting than just having the, the open map of Friday the 13th. Yeah. Especially if you, you know, if you kind of do a, a map that includes like the mansion or the big house, right. And you had a bunch of different hallways and rooms and maybe passages you could sneak through and different levels. And then there was parts of outside, you know, if you kind of make an interesting map that has a lot of, uh, ways to kind of get around it that could be interesting right because then you'd have to communicate with the survivors of you know i'm gonna hit this passage over here and oh i've to your point i i found a key and yeah i think that could be a lot better um but again man it's all down to that design and how they make that interesting all that loop that loop is gonna make or break the game but it is interesting to see so many survival horror games and with evil dead coming out for the beta dropping this week and the Ghostbusters game getting revealed this week, and an update to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. I figured we had to touch on touch yeah, on man. it a little bit. It's cool to see all these horror games popping up for our favorite IPs. That's cool. Go. Yeah. I'm a big horror fan. Keep them coming. Horror multiplayer? I don't care if it's bad. I'll play it at the very least. <laughs> at the very least, you have my interest, all right? But then it's up to you to sell me. Keep me hooked. Keep me engaged. Yeah. Next big topic is probably the most fascinating little nugget of information we got from GDC this week for Xbox fans. And that comes via a panel with Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond about kind of the business approach to Xbox and some interesting insights into Xbox Game Pass's growth, its success, and then this kind of boon they've seen with independent development on the Xbox platform as well. So the overall panel was about 23 minutes and there's a lot of stuff to go into, but I've pulled some key notes here that we we're going to dive into. So bullet points here, just a quick breakdown of what you can, what you can expect if you haven't watched this yet. So according to Sarah Bond and Phil Spencer, members play 40% more titles after joining Xbox game pass members play games across 30% more genres after joining Xbox game pass. And on average, there was an 8.3 times player lift after a back catalog game comes to Xbox Game Pass. And for new games from large publishers, 3.5 times players has a, sorry, 3.5 player lift compared to similar games not on Game Pass. And then similarly, there was a 15 times player lift for indie, new indie games and a 3.0 times lift for games launching on Game Pass compared to Steam. And one more bullet here. Uh, indies have also seen a 300% increase in revenue generation since 2017. So obviously a lot of figures, a lot of numbers, kind of, kind of boring for the average person, but I want to <laughs> talk about this, provide some context. So when you first saw all of these figures break, what were your initial impressions on the messaging that Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond were trying to get across to the community? Yeah, I think that the interesting thing about this is, you know, for those of us that have really been paying attention to Game Pass and kind of studying it for a while now, right? The these stats have are pretty similar to what we've seen for the past couple of years. I think the most surprising one, although when you really think about it, it's not as surprising is the 15 times player lift for indies. But one of the thing we always talked about, Steam's talked about it, Xbox has talked about it is 
there's so many games being developed now, right? The curation of those games and getting them in front of people is really challenging, especially mm-hmm. if it's not a big AAA release or a known IP. So this random little game comes out no one's ever heard of before. Um, if you just put that on the Xbox store, you know, the odds of it really catching fire are slim. Same with Steam. But if you put it on Xbox, on Game Pass, I mean, and, uh, you know, it's part of a, a three-game release one week, then a lot of people are going to check it out automatically. And I think that's fantastic. Um, but the figures themselves are really... I think what's most interesting to me is that as Game Pass has grown, even from less than 10 million to 15 to 20, 20 plus, and, you know, nearing 30, um, these figures have really been almost flat. So I did like a deep dive analysis video on Game Pass like nearly two years ago. And when I look at these figures, they're almost the same as they were then, um, despite, you know, all these other big things going on. So it's just, it's almost a no brainer, really. Um, And I think. It's pretty clear to me that Xbox is, uh, I mean, it's clear to everyone that Xbox is pushing Game Pass, but, um, you know, the financials around it are really right now in a in a early subscription phase where you're all about reinvesting that revenue to gain subscriber count, right? Because ideally, Phil and the team have 50 million plus, because once you get to a certain number, I don't know what that number is for big publishers, say, at 2K or whoever, um, once you get to 40 million, 50 million, then it becomes impossible to ignore, um, which I think in that vein makes the three and a half percent lift or three and a half times, excuse me, three and a half times lift for games launching on Game Pass compared to Steam the most interesting, because now you're talking about big games, potentially up to triple A games that, you know, uh, let's take MLB The Show, for instance. Um, we saw that launch last year on Game Pass, right? And they saw the most players they've ever seen, which should have been kind of expected, new platform, Game Pass. Mm-hmm. But it's a game where their continual revenue on that game, you get your initial sales bump, but then most of the revenue on sports games nowadays are the card mode, the the legacy mode, the franchise mode, right? And obviously, when it comes to that, Sony and, and the publisher really will take a, a, a hit on getting the game into more players' hands because they know even if 5% of people get addicted to that mode, the revenue's on the back end. So there's just, there's a lot of ways to break down these statistics, but one thing is for sure, I mean, Game Pass isn't going anywhere. It's it's wildly successful. People love it. And uh, it is, you know, um, people always ask, can it be sustained? And I don't see any reason why it can't. Yeah, these these figures here are designed to show publishers, to show players, and to show developers the perks of putting a game in Xbox Game Pass. When they when they talk about the three time, 3.5 times lift, they are specifically saying like, hey, big publishers, if you put your game into Game Pass, as we've seen with, with Square, as we've seen with other large publishers, it will do well. Anyway, as we were saying, Ains, before YouTube <laughs> said, you know what? No, shut this stream down. Shut this. They're trying to silence the truth. Out Try, that's what it is. Yeah. And I will not stand for it. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about Xbox Game Pass, the growth that we've seen, the metrics that Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond shared at GDC. So we've talked about Game Pass, how that's yeah. obviously a big drive for Xbox, how that's had some great success to point to. Another key component of this conversation was indies indie development and the amount of money that indie developers are making on the xbox platform because xbox understands that you can't rely entirely on first party you can't rely entirely on third party you need independent developers to put out great titles and kind of fill in those gaps and 
deliver compelling things to your platform. And they want indie developers to continue to put games on the Xbox platform because there was a point, a period of time where a lot of indie developers and some bigger publishers even were just skipping Xbox releases. And that's a bad look for one, but more importantly, that inconsistency is is frustrating to people who invest in your platform. And at a certain point, they're gonna get tired of those inconsistencies and go somewhere else. If they know that every single game that they're excited about comes to PlayStation and comes to Switch, but it's kind of hit or miss whether or not it comes to Xbox, they're probably just gonna go to another platform. And Xbox wants that retention, they want that growth, and that's why they are pointing to the success and the amount of money you can make as an independent developer. They're shouting it from the rooftops. Hey, <laughs> make games on Xbox. You'll make money. Let's go. Come on, come on. And so that messaging was really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I was just going to say that ID at Xbox has been a phenomenon, right, for ever since they started that, and it's continued to grow. I think they announced like over $5 billion in revenue total for everything that's come through ID Xbox, which is just, it's awesome. You love to see it. You love to see it. And so... <laughs> I want to touch on one quick thing here because there was a situation that kind of developed this week regarding the developer Puppet Combo, who makes these really campy, hyper, hyper low budget uh, <laughs> PS1 era inspired horror games. And recently they had their first one come to Xbox and you can play Murder House on Xbox. Uh, and then they revealed that Nun Massacre this week was coming to uh, PlayStation 4, <laughs> Nintendo, Switch. And people in this comment thread were like, yo, where's the Xbox version? And so this, this developer said, hey, I tried, sad face. And so I saw that and I was like, hey, uh, I cover Xbox stuff. Can you uh, provide some more context here? And I reached out to that developer privately via DMs as well, trying to get more details on what that meant when they say they tried. And unfortunately, they, they can't share the specific details uh, so I'm not going to do any official investigative reporting on it because I don't have an official <laughs> statement. But this developer said that they did everything they could to be part of the Xbox ID at Xbox program to no success. So that's interesting to me that we have Nun Massacre, which again, very niche, probably very <laughs> brutal and gory coming to every single platform but Xbox. We recently had the uh, Martha is Dead drama where mm -hmm. um, Martha is Dead was not censored on Xbox. And uh, but quote unquote censored on PS4. And so I've seen people speculate that, oh, maybe the game's too violent and that's why it's not coming to Xbox. And so again, I don't have an official statement. I just wanted to address that because I did have people DMing me about it because they saw I was interacting with that thread. But mm. that is one interesting um, thing I wanted to touch on while we're talking about indies on Xbox is this isn't the first time I've heard of an, in developer, an indie developer trying to be part of the ID at Xbox program and not getting accepted. So No. No, me neither. Um, I don't know. I, I, it feels like, and obviously don't have any inside information, as you said here, but it feels like a situation where there's, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of indie developers making games right now. And, um, you know, a, a majority of them or vast majority would work with ID at Xbox to come to Xbox. But you're probably going to have that developer once in a while that either doesn't want to take the cut that is offered because obviously you're talking about percentages of profit sharing and revenue sharing. Um, and as far as I understand, I don't know if you know better than I do, but as far as I understand, there are kind of agreements that you have to agree to to 
formally be part of ID at Xbox. Like you have to um, agree to uh, timelines on showing a game on uh, delivery schedule, I believe, something like that. I could be off if someone can correct me. But I believe there's some things you basically have to say, yes, we will hit these targets or hit these broad kind of strokes in the development of our game. Um, and I could see, you know, there, it's certainly possible that there's some developers out there that are just going to say, no, you know, we don't want to be, I wouldn't call it restricted, but, you know, maybe they don't want to be held to any any type of agreement. And so, I don't know. It's one of those situations probably where it's a he said, she said type of thing. But, you know, if you're that developer, are are you going to, with a small game and a small developer small studio are you going to come out and say hey we were going to be on xbox but hey we're just not we're not confident that we're going to be able to hit the things or we're not you know we don't want to agree to that no because then it makes you look bad right and and you can't do that as the as the developer on a small game like that you got to say hey we tried and just move on you know yeah, and, and, leave, and leave it to speculation because that's yeah exactly so that's why i haven't made any definitive statements either way i haven't really even speculated on what the reality is because you know i talk to a lot of people in the industry and i get some good context for how these things work and it is boring in some cases it's complicated <laughs> all of the time 100 percent of yes. the time and i i appreciate when somebody is willing to give me the context for it but i understand when they can't so in this case couldn't get context don't know what the reality is. I would love more puppet combo games on Xbox. And Xbox promotes itself as being incredibly easy for indep ind yeah. independent developers to work with. And so when a developer comes out and says, it's actually not, and I've tried, um, that's kind of contrast to what the messaging of Xbox is. Again, we don't have all of the details, so we can't say Xbox bad, whatever. But <laughs> I just wanted to touch on that. It, it, see, it just... It's almost like a smoke and fire thing, right? It seems weird when you have a lot of indie developers praising ID at Xbox, praising Game Pass, praising working with Xbox, and then every once in a while you get one that's like, oh, we couldn't get on Xbox, we tried, it's it's not good. And it's like, well, there, there's got to be some type of disparity in what's being you know discussed here, what their expectations were in working with Xbox. Because, I mean, we're talking about a game called Nun Massacre that's on Switch. <laughs> it's on all, Nintendo, exactly. It's on, on a Nintendo, Nintendo platform. Switch. So some, something's amiss with this one, for sure. And yeah, that's, that's the thing that gets me, is because you assume Nintendo, of all of the big three, is the most conservative, <laughs> the hardest to work with, the most likely to say, none Massacre? No, not on our platform. But then you see that none Massacre is on the Nintendo Switch and not Xbox, and you're like, what's going on here? <laughs> Why can't we play none Massacre on Xbox? And it's, yeah. it's worth having those conversations. Yeah, you like to kill nuns on whatever platform of your choice. Exactly. You know I mean? And that's the future I want to live in, where we can kill nuns on any platform we choose, all right? All right, I got to give a quick shout out to the people who are rejoining us. Thank you so much for sticking around. It seems like the stream has corrected itself. So again, who knows what the issue was. Sorry about that. If you are still here, hit that like button, share it out. Let's, let's repad those numbers because towards the back end of the show, we are going to do the battle of the Xbox mascots. It's going to be a viewer driven segment where we have you vote on the most iconic Xbox characters to boil it down to the five that we consider to be the best representation of Xbox. But before we get into that, we got to talk about the Halo series, Ains. Yeah, we Halo do. Halo is the first episode of the Halo series is finally out. 
Um, this show was first, not this particular version of the Halo series, but the first time a Halo series was announced nine years ago, Ains. Nine <laughs> years ago, Steven oh, Spielberg there. came out and announced that they were doing a Halo TV series. Yeah, man. Do you remember? Do you remember when Bungie teased a Halo movie? Do you remember that kind oh, of yeah. tease? Uh, it was awesome. And ever since then. I've wanted something like this. So yeah, I followed it, as you can imagine, being you know as diehard about Halo as I am. I have followed this every step of the way, and uh, I've watched the first episode twice. I watched it by myself, then watched it with my wife. And uh, I'm curious to hear what you think, because obviously opinions seem mixed. Some people uh -huh. really like it, some people didn't like it. Um, now, I, I, I'm trying to figure out, as I talk to kind of the people I know in the Halo community that are diehard Halo people, right, that play it every day, etc., it sees anecdotally like most of the hardcore Halo people I know liked it. Where, where are you falling on this? So I did like it overall. My, okay. my overall impressions were pretty positive. Uh, again, I saw a lot of mixed responses. I saw some yeah. people say that they hated this. They thought it yep. was cheesy. They thought the effects were bad. They thought the storytelling was bad. They thought the characters were bad. Some of the takes I saw were aggressive. I was like, <laughs> yeah, they were. Ooh, they that's were. not a good place to be. And it didn't end up in a fantastic place in terms of like Rotten Tomatoes or the aggregates of like formal official reviews for it. Yep. Um, but I went in with an open mind saying, you know what? Hey, we've waited nine years. Let's check it out. I love Pablo Schreier. Um, I'm yeah. excited to see what they do here. And we're not going to spoil it. We're not going to touch on like the big story notes here if you haven't seen it and want to touch on it. But I got to say, that was brutal. That first episode was far more graphic than I ever would have imagined a Halo TV series to be. Someone's head explodes in like the first like two minutes of this. Yeah. Like, one of the, the first kickoff to the action sequence is just a head exploding. I'm like, Dang, they're setting the tone like this. That, that, that is how they're setting the tone of the action in this. And then the rest... The next 10 minutes is just an absolute bloodbath. And I'm like, all right, you have my attention here, you know, because I'll admit I'm not the biggest Halo lore nerd. I appreciate yeah. the lore. I appreciate the world of Halo, but call me dumb, call me small brained, whatever. I've always liked the, <laughs> I've always liked the action. I've always liked the, the cool monsters, the action, the explosions, the gunplay of Halo. Like for me, that's the reason that I've always loved Halo and I yeah. still play Halo is because of all of those elements. And they did a really good job in this first episode showcasing that they get that. They understand that those elements are important to Halo and they want to do a good job giving you amazing action sequences. So I got to say, I've heard a lot of complaints about some of the effects and some of the way that the aliens were portrayed. Did you have any major issues with like the big battle sequences, but the battle sequence between the Covenant and the UNSC? No, man, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Like you said, I think the key I've... I've heard people right and i did the same as context right and expectations are everything if you come into this and you've got 20 years of halo games that you're expecting it to recreate and you've got these big expectations it's not going to hit those you know and i think they were pretty clear about that that this is non-canon it's its own timeline it's its own team and silver team is it it's basically reminiscent of blue team they basically recreate a blue team but it's not blue team right and uh you know that chief is obviously pablo it's not his voice so mm -hmm. you know you just have to go in with the expectations of look this is themed on halo but it's not the halo the same halo that we know and love big expectations uh, from a game perspective but no i thought i thought they did a really good representation solid representation of the elites 
the brutality of attacking, you know, the the camp there at the beginning, um, and uh, and Chief coming in. I thought I thought Pablo did a really good job as Chief, and it's clear that they want to explore the human side of him more. You know what I mean? Just like they've done in the last few games, which I I really enjoy. Um, you know, I don't. He doesn't need to talk too much. He doesn't need to get emotional. Those types of things, but just understanding he is human at the end of the day and i think it set that up well uh i thought they did a really good job the cgi was better in parts than others you know what i mean like i thought like the prophet looked awesome mercy yeah. i was like wow i was like he looked great uh but then there's you know there's other things where it's like oh you could tell that was a set or a green screen or you know everyone's making fun of when chief tosses the assault rifle and you can tell it's like a cg assault rifle it's like why didn't you just throw the prop for that because the prop looks better than the cg you know what i mean so there there's some silly stuff right I, it's not like i'm saying this is a nine out of ten um but i enjoyed it i thought it was decent it it set up the first episode well and again we're talking about one episode right we haven't seen an entire season yet mm -hmm. and, and what i'm what i've been telling people is like look i love the i'm a diehard witcher guy too i love the witcher and when you look at season one of the witcher on netflix it was like i enjoyed it right but it wasn't fantastic. You could tell some things were sets. You could tell some things were props. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, you got to come with that expectation that, look, this is not going to be a $400 million blockbuster AAA recreation of the Halo video game. That's just not what this is going to be. So I think with context, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, as it comes. But it's killing me waiting a week for every episode man as a halo guy i'm like i kind of like it i get it you know and obviously they have to make the revenue to keep people subscribed but man i i would have binged the hell out of this if it was just all there yeah they the one month of paramount plus is a big old tease it's a, i get it they're trying to get people into the service they want to give people a taste and hopefully get people hooked on the halo series and yeah. the, the metrics that we've seen, this is the biggest Paramount Plus exclusive. So chances are they will be successful in some capacity, keeping people subscribed throughout the remainder of this first season. But yeah, once a week, we, we don't get to binge it. We don't get the Netflix approach where we just get to dump it through. But it gives us time, I guess, to dive into each individual episode, which is yeah. something I've kind of missed with, with the binge true. culture is the water cooler talk about speculating on what's going to happen in the next episode, talking about the cool moments that we saw. And I think that helps it kind of sink in where if you binge something, which we often do, it all becomes kind of a blur and everything yeah, is true. just this, this amalgamation of, of the series and the show. So I'm kind of torn. I would like to just power through it. Um, but I'm probably gonna have to stay subscribed to Paramount plus you <laughs> finally got me. Okay. Was fighting it for so long. But I agree on a lot of what you're saying regarding the, the overall quality of this. The scene with the prophet, to me, that felt straight out of a Star Wars movie. Like the, it the was awesome. The production value of that sequence and yeah. that character, that felt straight up out of a big motion picture Star Wars film. And it kind of transported me to that. Um, the first person stuff, Ains, horny as hell. They, I hope I hope they tone it down. That was, it was dumb and corny in the Doom movie back in like 2005. It's dumb and corny here. We get it. This was a first person shooter. This was a first person video game. Cool. We get it. Don't ever do it again, please. The, the sequences where Master Chief is in first person shooting the Covenant, cringe, dude. Such big terrible cringe, and that was so jarring compared to the the production and set pieces of everything else. Um. 
And again, I get it. They want you to know that they, they, they know this is a video game. We love the video games. We get that you love the video games. Here's a fun nod to the video games. But if that continues, I will be so upset because, wow, it was so ham-fisted and so unnatural. Am I the only one that feels that way? Or are we all no, on the same seen, page I, there? I, I've seen other people say it. I wasn't as offended as you were. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, think the, uh, I think it's better if they do some of the exploratory stuff if you want to do first person, make it when he's like in the cave and like scanning stuff. Yes. You know what I mean? Like use the visor, the you know from the the Mjolnir armor, of course. Uh, use that stuff. But for the battle scenes, I agree. Like there's there's so many better perspectives you can give of Chief and the Spartans from a combat scenario, which they did a good job of in the in the first battle, like you said. Uh, stick with that. You don't yes. you don't need to try and recreate you know first person shooting and stuff because it it never looks right. No, 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 no. So, be, so, and that's what made it frustrating because the props are excellent. The guns look great. The vehicles look great. I even thought like the Covenant forces looked great. I know a lot of people had I some criticism it. of that. I thought they looked good. Yeah, the, the, I thought they looked good too. Having the plasma weapon and the, the plasma sword, especially the way that those were used to kind of show that they are powerful and these are weapons you should fear, which as Halo fans, nobody fears the plasma pit. Come on, dude. Like, and then just seeing one of the Spartans pick it up and just melt the top half of a, a covenant with it, you're like, okay, yeah, that, that would be scary. That would be yeah. a scary place to be. And I think they did a really good job setting the tone of the covenant in this first episode, saying you should be afraid of them. These are why yeah. the humans are afraid of them. Yeah, because, I mean, it, you know, they're touching on more of the lore. And I know you said, you know, you're not really into it. But if you if you read it in the books, right, there's this long running war, which they touch on at the beginning between the US and UNSC, right, and all these kind of outposts that are scattered around the galaxy, right, the insurgents, they call them, basically. Um, and so they did a good job of, of showing that the Covenant come in and just going to kill everybody. You know, they mm -hmm. don't care who you are. Um, and the Spartans coming in and, and kind of saving, well, not well we're not spoiling but you know yeah, what i mean yeah. uh, bringing people together to to realize you have a common threat in the covenant i think was well done um i also wanted to mention that it, the, the one nice thing going back to the conversation about once a week episode is that there's an after show so if you didn't see that uh there's going to be an after show every week it's like 25 30 minutes long and uh the first one was cool because they talked to pablo a lot so they mm -hmm. talked to a lot to him about Obviously, being Master Chief, they showed his workout regimen to get in, you know, more fit for it. They showed some of the other Spartans and talk about kind of what's coming. So, I, to your point, I do kind of like that we get to re-examine the episode and talk about it like we are now every week, which will be cool. Yeah, and I think the overall CG quality, I'm on the same page as you. It wasn't always fantastic, but there were a few moments where I was genuinely impressed by it. Uh, my biggest criticism of the CG I've seen is, are the moments where... They make the Spartans seem like they're moving fast. I yes. really think that looks jarring. And I was watching with my wife, and that was her biggest complaint. It's like, I don't like the way that the Spartans move. It looks very unnatural. It looks almost stop motion. And to me, that that was the most disconnecting thing about watching it. Like those scenes compared to everything else felt really unnatural and obviously CG'd. Yeah. Yeah. There's one scene where like Chief, I think he he jumps down on something and you can see it's like sped up. And I'm like, well, he's not going to fall faster than, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Than someone else. But if you go back, like, I don't know why they didn't do it more. Like, um, if you look the, uh, the halo reach trailer, the trailer for that game, 
uh, called, it's called uh, Beyond Hope, Remember Reach. I don't remember, but there's like a four minute trailer. It's a classic video game trailer. And they show uh, that team, Cat and the others, kind of like jumping long distances, right? And doing the things Spartans do, but it looks normal. Like, you know what I mean? It looks as part of the battle scene. I think they could do a better job there too. We'll see how that develops over the course of the season. Um, Yeah, I'm curious to see. Obviously, there are probably at least a few episodes filmed, but I'm curious to see if they'll take feedback on what we've seen so far and kind of adjust it. Because again, I understand from a lore perspective, these are super soldiers. They have the, the power armor. They have super speed, super strength, blah, blah, blah. But even in the games, even when we're playing as Master Chief, the meme was like, oh, we can run at 40 miles an hour, but we can't actually sprint in the Halo game. So like, yeah. so even in the games, they don't really like phone that in, or I don't want to say phone that in, but they don't really play that up. And I think if they didn't play it up in this show, I'd be absolutely fine. If they were just normal speed people, I think it would <laughs> be a more enjoyable viewing experience overall. But I wanted to circle back around on the, the human elements that you touched on. Obviously, yeah. I'm not trying to spoil anything here. But I do like the focus that we saw towards the back end of this episode on Chief yeah. and his motivations. And that yep. to me was more interesting because as much as I love the Halo games, I love Halo Infinite's portrayal of Chief so much more than the last several games because Chief's always been quiet, which has been fine. Um, he's been a man of few words. <laughs> um, but that's also, to me, made him a man of few motivations. Like to me in the games, a lot of it is he has to protect humanity and that's it no matter no matter what situation and that is a cool beat for the hero of a epic sci-fi first person shooter series but from a tv show i would be really disappointed if that was chief's character i have to save humanity and that's it that's all we get from him like, a robot yeah all right cool we get it we humanity cool um one final question i guess here where do you stand on the the helmet drama ains do you care that we see pablo's face no, not at all. I mean, we we know who's acting under the suit. Like we know we know it's Pablo. Um, the the whole game thing was, you know, it was originally about built around the idea that you were Master Chief, right? And so him not showing his face was connected you, the player, to the character, and it it kept up some of the mystery around Chief as a character. But that's changed over the years. You know, they've really dove in, as you point out, with Infinite. They started with Halo Four, and they've really kind of dove into the um the human side of chief a lot more and i think as you do that you got to realize that you know there's more character there and, and besides right the comics the the movies all this other stuff has shown chief before out of suit and out of you know character so no i i don't care even a little bit um no. that they're showing pablo i'm in the exact same boat like i i yeah. thought the drama of them showing master chief's face in this was so weird overblown yeah. like you you're not going to get Pablo Schreier on board or really any big name actor on board and say, you're just going to be in a helmet 100% of the time. Like that's not an interesting role. And again, we're, we're seeing chief's face. So we, we get those moments where we can look at his eyes and we can look at his facial expressions. Cause again, like you said, he's not like overtly crying or showing like wild emotions because of the, the Spartan program and the way these people are trained to be ruthless. And I, kind of appreciate how they touch on the fact that Spartans in this world are absolutely ruthless. Like Master Chief, his first introduction in the show, he's not a hero. Yeah. He's not like an an outwardly good guy as we know him in the games. There's this kind of air of 
quote unquote, just following orders that they're touching on. And I'm curious to see where that goes, because I think that is an interesting dynamic with Master Chief's history and how they're kind of unraveling some threads there. Yeah. And I that ties in. There's a lot of stories in the books about that. Um, you know, about how he's viewed. They even touched on it. If you remember the Hunt the Truth uh, audio series before Halo 5, they even kind of touched on that too, that, you know, he's seen as this great savior of humanity, and he is. But to some people, because they're not all part of this kind of union, right, in this galaxy, uh, they don't all see him that way. And he has done things that he maybe was ordered to do that some people view as, uh, you know, horrific. So I, I really like that. I also really liked one other thing I really liked is they showed Halsey, I think, is fantastic. Yes. Uh, she really touches on what Halsey is supposed to be, a genius who, you know, has order. She's not in charge, um, but she kind of walks that line of doing what she wants to do and knowing that the Spartans are hers, period, and that the Spartans will listen to her and that the Spartans come above all else even like the uh not keys but the other commander and i forget her name now but you could see you uh, know miranda the, or no not miranda keys not oh no, no not, oh they're like main the, the main the, the main person. the main okay. leader that's in wherever they are in this location but you could see halsey's defiance towards her right and telling the spartans that you know again not spoiling anything but anyway um that that is a key part of the the kind of uh, character Halsey is and how the Spartans treat her as, you know, they call her mom, you know, because she's, you know, they treat her like her, their mom. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that especially the, the Spartan twos, which, you know, who knows what they're touching on in this show with that. But anyway, I just wanted to touch on that because I thought that was done really well and how at the end of the setup with chief doing his thing and the other Spartans come out, I thought that was really well done too. Yeah. I see some comments in the chat with people having criticisms of the writing and I feel like, the overarching stories they're building are interesting, but I did have some complaints about some of the dialogue to me. Like, uh, what's her what's her name? One of the main rebels that we we're introduced to early on. She has a line where she's like, I want to get off this rock. And I'm like, my God, <laughs> really? How many yeah. times have we heard that in a sci-fi series? Come on. Pretty generic, yeah. So there are a few lines like that where I'm like, Ugh, okay. Dialogue needs some work. But I do think the overarching story threads that they're laying down are compelling and i am interested to see where it goes yeah so if you're too. slapping a score out of 10 what do you give in episode one uh i'd probably go around a seven maybe okay i'm with you i'll give it a, yeah. i'll give it a solid seven out of ten yeah something like that like uh, and I'm, I'm ready to get battled tomorrow because i know that my big cast partners rick travis and dan all three of them didn't like it Oh, oh, okay. You're the, <laughs> so I'm, the I'm, odd man out there. Yeah, I'm gearing up for tomorrow because it's going to be a battle. But no, I, 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 like I said, it's not a nine or a ten. Um, but I certainly don't think it was bad. Like people saying it was bad, I'm like, come on, man. Like, what, what did you think it was going to be? You know what I mean? Like, if you think this is bad, what were you? What would have been good? Um, and, and I don't think people really have an answer to that. You know what I mean? At least not that I, I haven't seen a good answer to that. I would say. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to transition into the fun part of the show. Let's let's get this fun. Let's kick off the weekend right. If you are watching live, you are critically important. Get those keyboards ready. Hit that like button. Share this stream out because your votes, they matter. And here's how this is all going to play out. We are going to do the battle of the Xbox mascots. So I have set up 10 pairings 
of iconic figures from Xbox. And I tried to make these tough. I tried to make these decisions you'd actually have to think on. You can only pick one. You can only pick one of these characters and towards the end, <laughs> as we're going through this, I will lay down each one individually. Ains and I will stake our cases on who we think is the more iconic Xbox mascot. But your votes ultimately at the end of this show will dictate the top five most iconic characters from Xbox. So first up, Ains, as we're diving into this one, I'm, I'm kicking it off hot and heavy. Master <laughs> Chief versus Marcus Phoenix. Yeah, I played the fifth. Not doing this. I'm out. Nope. Sorry, you don't you don't have an option here. You don't have an option. You're doing it. All right. No, the it it's chief. Come on. It's chief all day. I I love Gears. It's my second favorite franchise behind uh behind Halo. I have literally in my gym, I have the Marcus Phoenix standee on one side and Master Chief standee on the other. Um I love Marcus to death. But if you're talking about Xbox, you're talking about mascots, you're talking about iconic characters, Chief is and always will be number one, period. There, there's just, there's no debate to even be had here. So. Yeah, it's a tough one. It is like, obviously, Master Chief is synonymous with Xbox. Ma Halo Combat Evolved launching with the original Xbox, such a transformative and some would argue. A, Xbox a game might not even be here. Yeah. Without Halo. Some would argue that, yeah, without that that particular release, that there would be no future for Xbox. And so I understand that. I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. I'm gonna say Marcus <laughs> Phoenix. All right. As Stop much as it. I love Master Chief, don't get me wrong. I, I do love Master Chief. I do love Halo. Halo Combat Evolved. Transformative game for me. Watching the evolution of Marcus Phoenix over the years, watching him go from the dude bro, a stereotypical action hero to this compassionate caring dad who's who's layered and has this depth and watching him care about other characters in the gears universe and really you know come into his own i would argue that marcus phoenix is a better character than master chief oof, oof. more iconic I, that's tough <laughs> i can see the argument um i can see it doesn't mean i agree with it but i can see it i yeah. I, I i like old marcus i love marcus in gears 4 and gears 5 um he's i think to your point he's a better character now than he's ever been yeah um and i know people have other complaints about the new characters in four or five we won't get into those but marcus himself is awesome um and i have no disagreements about his character arc and just how good of a a, a character he is in those games but he, he, you put him in an impossible scenario <laughs> I, yeah like, i know you, I, I, you, I, I yeah he can't yes. win this yeah, he's, he's probably definitely not going to win. So I'll give that another couple seconds before we can wrap that up here. But yeah, two iconic figures from Xbox. Let's see <laughs> where the community stands on Marcus Phoenix versus Master Chief in three, two, one. And Master Chief wins at like 81%. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, if it's not like four or five to one, I'll be uh. shocked. Okay, well, there we go. That's the first one. Next up, next poll here as we're diving through iconic Xbox mascots. Senua from the Hellblade series versus Joanna Dark. Where do you stand there between those two iconic Xbox characters? Yeah, you know, man. 
this one see the rest of these are, are definitely uh, better conversations so. yeah, master chief yeah that's the yeah yeah you know master chief's not even real and i would fight for him you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like that's how much he means to me um so i, I i'm gonna go senua on this one okay. Uh, okay i'm going senua because i think joanna dark uh perfect dark was a, a phenomenon at its release because it followed it up GoldenEye, right? It was it was kind of really interesting from a first-person shooter space at the time. Even it wasn't even Xbox at the time, right? But Joanna Dark, from an Xbox perspective, hasn't done anything. Uh, <gasps> the three, the three sixty, the three sixty. Perfect Dark Zero. Come on, that wasn't a banger to you. Come on, you that know katanas, it wasn't, dude. You know it wasn't. Tanks I, and katanas. What else do you need in the mid two thousands? Do you remember how they marketed that game and talked about it being the Halo for the three sixty launch? Do you remember that? I do, and that was a big mistake. <laughs> yes. That was a big mistake. <laughs> and me and my friends loaded it up, and we played. I played quite a bit of that multiplayer, but come on, it, you know, it was it had some merits, but it wasn't great. And since then, you know, who knows what the next Perfect Dark is going to be? I hope it's fantastic, right? Um, but there really hasn't been anything. Whereas Senua, Hellblade One is an incredible game, as you know, made by a small team of people, but she's become iconic, right? Her the character herself has been become iconic and as the more we see of hellblade 2 especially recently i mean she just looks absolutely incredible i love the darkness i love i love her kind of the passion behind her right the fire in her so i could talk for a while i'll stop now but i'm, I'm going senua on this one senua i'm i'm with you on this one again no shade to joanna dark i know joanna dark is iconic people love perfect dark as a franchise people are incredibly excited about the new perfect dark entry um i like joanna dark I think Joanna Dark is an interesting character. I am hoping that with this new entry that she becomes a character that yeah. I connect Me with too. more. Um, but Senua, uh, the way that they have developed her. And what's really interesting about Senua is this is probably the first mainstay, like main video game character that we've seen now in a AAA space that has, you know, mental illness as a defining part of their attributes and the defining part of their their story and the way that ninja theory has handled that sensitive issue and an issue that's that's hard to touch on and a lot of people touch on it with zero tact zero care and just load it with stereotypes it's fascinating to have a, a compelling character that you can empathize with um who's going through the, this this issue within their own mind that they have no control of and how that's incorporated into the gameplay mechanics and what we've seen with Hellblade 2 just seems to expand on that. I'm really interested to see where they take that and how that evolves in the story. Because for me, that's, that's incredibly important is being able to have those harder conversations and touch on serious issues in a way that is serious and isn't a joke and it isn't a parody, isn't a cliche. And that's why I think Senua is, you know, not only one of the most iconic mascots for Xbox, but now one of the most important modern characters in gaming. Yeah, she's a much deeper character for sure. And I, to your point, like if, if the new Perfect Dark comes out and Joanna Dark is not looked at as kind of like a new mascot level character for Xbox, they've failed to some degree, in my opinion. But Joanna Dark should be, has the potential to be an iconic character for Xbox. I really hope they do her justice. I, I agree. All right, so we are going to end this poll. Get your final votes in. Three, two, one senua at 62 percent over joanna dark there we go we're getting a little closer we're getting a little closer here so right now 
we have oh, this next Chief one and senua all right here's a here's a fun one here's here's a this is going to be for all you legacy gamers out there um i'm really curious to see where the community stands with this next particular matchup all right ains where do you stand between banjo kazooie and conquer yes two classics here and uh, if anyone watches me or, or knows me uh, and watches my content, I am a banjo stan all day. Uh, I, I stand firmly that Banjo-Kazooie is a better game than Mario 64. I will fight anyone to the death on that um, and can have that battle. And Banjo-Kazooie, the original two games, are some of the best. Claim, but dial, yeah. dial it back, maybe. Some... <laughs> <laughs> but some of the best 3D platformers ever made. They are absolutely incredible, incredible games when Rare was kind of at its prime in that age. Nuts and Bolts a little different, but... Conquer, another fantastic game. I actually still have my original N64 copies of both Conquer and Banjo sitting right back there. Um, and I think Conquer obviously got more notoriety for being more of a, a mature character, right? He's got the dirty jokes and the, mm -hmm. the humor and stuff, which is awesome. Uh, so I, I love Conquer as well. But if you're putting them up against Banjo, in terms of like 3D platforming mascots, Banjo is one of my favorite all time. Kazooie, you know, Banjo and Kazooie are really two characters, but um you know i i think the combo of them is just fantastic the games are better and uh yeah i've got to go banjo banjo all right um i will agree uh i i meme on clobril a lot because he's obviously the most iconic infamous yeah conquer stan in the xbox community and every chance yeah. i get you know i, I poke him a little bit because I don't care about Conquer. Like, not not to throw shade at anyone who likes Conquer. I never, I never cared about it. Even when I was a, a, a kid playing it and seeing like the giant turd, I was like, okay, <laughs> all, all right. Even for me, Very even as a face. ten year old, this is a little, uh, little juvenile. All right, uh, but no, I get why Conquer's beloved. I, again, like you said, it was of that era. It was in the, the the heydays of South Park, if you will. It was very much of that. Um, but I also, I don't, this isn't a popular take, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say it. I don't really care about Banjo either. <laughs> Damn it. I, I again, I, I liked the Banjo games on 64. I played them again on 360. I don't have any strong opinions on Banjo. I just don't love Banjo. And I want a new Banjo game for all the people who love Banjo, because I see the Banjo love in the community. I see people scream about how they want a new Banjo. I hear people yeah. like you talk about, Again, this is outlandish, but say that Banjo is better than Super Mario 64. I'll, I'll have that debate anytime. <laughs> uh, not today. Another time, maybe. But I see it. I get the love. I feel the love. And that's why I want to see you know, a new and improved Banjo drop in this day and age. I'm one of the people who thought that Ban Nuts and Bolts was actually pretty dope. Like That was probably... It is a good game. It's just different. It's my favorite Banjo. <laughs> So, I'm, but did you did you play banjo like at release on N sixty four? Yes. Yes. Okay. And I remember thinking like, this ain't Super Mario sixty four. That's yeah, for sure. That's for me. sure. Um. So yes, I will go with banjo for the sake of the fans and because <laughs> you know it's the lesser of two evils. Right? <laughs> Dude, I was a uh, I was a, a Kickstarter backer of ukulele. I have signed ukulele stuff from that team. Like, you know, I just I I, I need banjo back properly, man. Come on, come, come on. on. All right, well let's see let's see what the community thinks about this, Ains. So let's reveal our winner in three, two, one.
Banjo-Kazooie taking the spot at 64% of the votes. All right, so our three right now, we have Master Chief, we have Senua, we have Banjo-Kazooie. We got, All right. we, got, we got a good audience today. Smart got, guys out there. Yeah. <laughs> People of taste and, and culture right. outside culture. of me. I probably <laughs> lost some cred for saying the band. I don't care about banjo and nuts and bolts is my favorite. But you know what? That's my truth. I'm speaking my truth here. All right. Next up, this is another cool throwback. And a lot of people don't necessarily associate this with Xbox nowadays. But where do you stand between Jago versus Fulgore of Oof. Killer Instinct. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I don't think anyone, well, maybe some Killer Instinct fans debate this, but, you know, uh, I, this one's hard for me because I feel like you were the last one. I don't really care either way. Oh, dang, uh, you don't care either way? No, I. you know what? I'm going to be different. I, th- I think Jago is probably the the more notorious one, the more iconic one, the one that stands out more. I'm going to say Fulgore because, you know, I don't want to just go 100% on these polls. You know what I mean? I'm going to mix it up a little bit. So Mix it up. I, I think Fulgore was, um, I will say, when you play Killer Instinct in the arcade when it first released and you got the hyper combos and people were kind of blown away at this new style of fighting game, um, Fulgore was one of the characters that really stood out, right? Like, he was the one that became one of the key characters that people would play that game for. So I'm, I'm going Fulgore, man. Fulgore. You know what? I'm with you. Um, I, I would say that with the modern Killer Instinct, they've leaned more into Jago. Yes. As, as with, with the newer versions. But that iconic black cart on Super Nintendo back in the day with Fulgore and his edgy blades, it was yeah, so perfectly just reminiscent of that era. And Fulgore to me. You know, it's a shame that the way Killer Instinct's legacy kind of played out and there was all these lulls that happened, but Killer Instinct and its characters had this potential to be this like long running, long staying fighting franchise. And it, it just didn't get that. Fulgore yeah. was as ridiculous and absurd as Fulgore is. That is such a cool video, a video games, video game character. Fulgore <laughs> is all in on ridiculousness. And for that reason, Fulgore over Jago all day. He's cooler and more unique. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's like, where Killer Instinct needs to live, right? Like, that's how they stand out as being different. So, yeah. yeah it was like Predator meets the Terminator. Yeah, it just, come much. on now. Come on now. Don't yeah. tell me that's not hype. All right. Let's <laughs> see where the community stands here. Oh, this was actually a little bit closer. What, get right. those votes in in three, two, one. What do we got? Jago squeaking by at 50. 54%. One you and, vote. I, you and I are in the minority here with the full gore. All right. Man. I didn't expect that one. I'm that's interesting. Like I said, modern players, Jago's definitely the, the more standout iconic yeah. figure as your uh poor man's Ryu. <laughs> All right, next up here. This is this is an interesting one, and I'm really curious to see where the community stands. Where do you stand? With Frank West from Dead Rising and BJ from Wolfenstein. Oh, oh, little, little curveball uh, here. Yeah, that's definitely a curveball. Um, yeah, it's got man. Frank West is cool. Like I, I, Dead Rising when it first came out was very different. I really enjoyed it. Um, love the gameplay style. I love the humor and all that. And uh, you know, I think those games are good. And they tried to evolve them a little bit by four, right? And 
I don't know. They they need to kind of rethink that franchise as a whole. But if you're talking about iconic and, and character, it's got to be BJ Blazkowicz, man. Come on. He's a Nazi killer. Like that is, and, that is cool. That is I mean, pretty cool. <laughs> come on. He's 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 awesome, you know, and they even kind of show some of his human side with, you know, his daughters and uh, you know, those modern games are just fantastic and yeah, it's got to be BJ, man. He's a he's a legend. He's a gaming legend. I have BJ. I have I have the uh the you know the collector's edition comes with a uh like a, an old school action figure like this big with all the outfits and stuff for BJ Blazkowicz. Oh yeah? Yeah, I have oh, it yeah? sitting right back there. It's it's cool as hell. It's like it's packaged out of like the 50s. It's awesome. Okay, that's dope. That is dope. Yeah. I have yeah. come to love Wolfenstein in a big way with with the newer titles. Because early on like I I like Doom, I liked Wolfenstein, but I never really connected with the earlier ones. Uh, like the original Wolfenstein games versus Doom. Did you? I don't know how old you were when they came out. I like, was. When did the first one come out? Ninety four. Oh no 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 no! Doom was out by then. Uh, Wolfenstein was before that. I want to say eighty nine ninety something like oh, that. Oh okay yeah I was like I was a baby I was like yeah yeah, yeah. so a year or less old. <laughs> so, so so Wolfenstein was so unique when it first came out. This is a true story, right? I used to have a three and a half inch floppy disk of it you know the old floppy disk three and a half inch that i would carry in my backpack at school and whenever i could get to a classroom that had a computer i taught myself dos just enough to be able to launch the game so that if you know i could sneak into a room or if we weren't i was done with art class i would put the disc in go into dos launch it and i just sit there and play wolfenstein it was like that was completely new when that came out Ooh, ooh love hearing that that is, that is a beautiful story I'm going to go Frank West, all right? Frank West, Dead Rising was the reason I bought a 360. The first time I played Dead Rising absolutely floored me. I couldn't believe the number of zombies they put on the screen. I couldn't believe the freedom they allowed you to have with all of the random crap you could find around the mall and combining weapons and just murdering everyone. It was like a hyper campy version of Dawn of the Dead, and I just loved it. Frank West is an idiot. He's a bumbling doofus, but also there's something just so endearing about his character in that world, like his, his terrible one-liners. He is very much of campy horror. And again, as someone That's who true. loves, loves campy horror, they played that up so well in Dead Rising and with Frank West. And then to see his kind of evolution, devolution, if you will, into like the super scummy reporter guy, like I really liked that arc and they made him unlikable in a lot of ways but i was still fascinated with this character didn't didn't really care for frank west in dead rising 4 gotta say right. they yeah. changed his character a lot they made him kind of like a i don't know like a jack bauer-esque character for whatever reason they thought that was the the way to evolve him and, and introduce him to a new audience but no give me dumb frank west all day every day <laughs> Cast by the way vote. By the way, Dark Travesty points out uh, correctly, which was Wolfenstein was way back in the 80s. It was Wolfenstein 3D, which really set the, the oh, first-person okay. shooter ablaze, right? Wolfenstein led to Doom, and obviously on and on. But Wolfenstein 3D was 92, so I was 13. And yeah, I was in junior high school just trying to find a way to play that game more, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see somebody in this here that says, but doesn't Capcom own Dead Rising? Yes, but Dead Rising historically has been an Xbox-exclusive franchise. These again, just mascots, not necessarily saying that Xbox owns all of these IP. Um, 
You know, they need to bring back Dead Rising this instant. All right, let's see where the community stands. And I think I, I know where the community <laughs> They need to do a proper reboot, right? Just call it Dead Rising, start over. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah re fresh reboot. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Frank West versus BJ from Wolfenstein. 74% of people think it's BJ. Okay, well. Then forget me, huh, guys? <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you put a, a reporter up against a Nazi killer, you're probably going to lose. Man. Probably going to kill. I get it. BJ is dope. The new BJ, BJ is amazing. All right. This is another. This was a tough one for me personally. This was a really tough one for me. So I want to see where you stand on Ori versus Cuphead. Yeah, I'm gonna. I I can already say I think I'm gonna lose this one. Uh, oh, the, okay. the, the Ori games are incredible. Um, I, I I can't say enough positives about them. They are so well done, and I think that some of the emotion that is shown, especially in Will of the Wisp, was maybe actually even surprised some people. Um, it's just really, really well done. That said, uh, if you, again, if you know me well enough, I'm a Cuphead fanatic. I am surrounded by Cuphead prints and merchandise, and I've talked to Studio MDHR, and, you know, I just love, love, love the game. I've 100%ed it twice over. Um, it's just one of my favorite modern takes on a shmup, a shoot-em-up. Uh, Cuphead is absolutely impeccable designed, top to bottom. And uh, so with that, even knowing Cuphead is a goofy character, very cartoon, we have the Netflix cartoon right now, he's just this goofy rather shallow character i'm going cuphead over ori or going cuphead all right over ori all right well then there have obviously been some recent developments that have um soured my perception of the developer of this game but sure. i still absolutely love the ori games ori in the blind forest and ori and the will of the wisps um especially they did such an incredible job setting up the characters of this world with no dialogue. All of the all of the interactions are done just through animation, mm -hmm. through mild sounds, little squeaks, and there was just something so compelling and and beautiful about the character dynamic of of Ori and all of the characters you interacted with in that world. And it was, you know, it's one of those experiences to me that. I'll never forget. It's it's such a special game in so many ways, and that world is such a special world. And again, I don't want to get too much into the Moon Studio culture, uh, which is incredibly unfortunate, yeah, and um, really disheartening. But I am gonna go Ori over Cuphead. Although I will say, Cuphead probably probably one of my favorite. Actually, definitely one of my favorite two D platformers of all time. Like absolutely. Loved it. I am so ready for Delicious Last Course. Oh, yeah. I've been waiting for years and years. Let's go, please. Yeah. My only complaint, the only complaint I have about Cuphead, and I'm bummed this hasn't been addressed or fixed in any way, is only local co-op. I know. Oh, oh, yeah. Like I, I would still be playing that game to this day if I could jump online with friends and just and dive in and co-op. But again. I have I have to wonder if it's because well, you don't have to stay on it, but you have to be so incredibly precise, like to the pixel in that game at times uh, with dodges. And so I wonder if that just, even if you have a tiny bit of latency, that wouldn't work. I wonder if they've really struggled with trying to figure that out, but that's another story. Exactly. All right. So let's see where the community stands here on Ori versus Cuphead. 66% of people are going with Ori. Ori's taking the spot. 
I'm actually surprised Cuphead got a third. I would have thought it would have been lower. Um, I mean, Cuphead has a show. Where's the Ori show? All right. Right. The, yeah. Right? Come on. Let's go. <laughs> Throw some respect on the Netflix exclusive Cuphead. All right. <laughs> all right. Another battle of iconic Xbox mascots. We have. Where do you stand on Steve from Minecraft versus Raz from Psychonauts? Miles, this is an outright insult. Is right? it? Yeah, we're going to talk about this one. Okay, well, because, let's let's hear it, because I can okay. tell you one game is infinitely bigger than the other. Well, that's that's very true. We're not, <laughs> luckily, we're not talking about an audience of these games. But uh, Steve can go fall off a cliff. He's whoa, completely... whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Minecraft yeah, slander? What's happening yeah, my, here? No, no, I love Minecraft. I love okay, Minecraft. Okay. But, but as a character, I mean, come on. Come on. Steve, can he can he can fall in a mine somewhere in the lava pit. No, it's not going to matter. Raz is the man. Raz is a legend. Psychonauts 1, one of the greatest 3D platformers ever made. Psychonauts 2 improved upon it nearly in every facet. Absolutely incredible game. He's funny. He's, he's cool. He's just, Raz is the absolute man. I love Raz to death. Steve, Steve couldn't be Raz. I don't even know. See, I'm flustered. You got me flustered with this <laughs> one. I, I just can't do it. Yeah, Steve, if Steve gets more than one vote, we're going to have to have words. Okay, I, I appreciate your perspective. <laughs> but again, if we're going back to the first comparison, Master Chief versus Marcus Phoenix, yeah. Steve from Minecraft versus Raz, Steve is, people know Steve's face. You, you may not like his, his dumb, blocky face, but- Oh, Steve's more iconic without a single thread of a doubt. People know Steve's yeah. face. And I would agree that Raz is, from a writing perspective, a better character because Raz actually has writing and actually has character. And Steve is just a- a body in this this blocky world but i'm gonna speak for all the youth out there all the young lads i'm going steve if i'm picking between these two as much as psychonauts is incredible i know you love psychonauts yeah. but i'm out man i gotta i gotta end the show i'll talk to hey, you later okay you know all right so i'm just i'm hitting you with the hard truths you hit me with the hard truths with master chief hitting you with the hard truths here all right steve 100 percent of the time and i think steve will get more than one vote let's see let's see where the community stands on Steve versus Raz. Um, Yo, Donnie said uh, Minecraft stands are going to dox me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The community. Let's see. Let's see here. Oh, the, people might be on your side here. It looks like 75% of people going with Raz. Good community Se out there. 75% going with Raz. All right. Raz over Steve. There's an eight year old out there crying. I hope you're happy, Ains. <laughs> I hope you're happy. Go, go play Minecraft. You'll be fine. You'll be All fine. right. Next up. This is an interesting one. And as I was going through, I was trying to think of mascots that really represent, you know, not only the past, but the, the future of Xbox. So this is one I think that, you know, is it an interesting one out of recent characters. Where do you stand between Pavardi of the Outer Worlds and Kate Diaz of Gears of War? This one hurts, man. Yeah, this is an interesting. This, yeah, this was a hard one for me. They're both yeah. characters I love. Yes. Yeah, I know Kate. You know, Kate gets some flack because she now has to be the face of of Gears or has become the face of Gears. And that, how do you step into that? You know what I mean? It's like who? It's like trying to be Locke in in Halo. Like you're not replacing Master Chief. It's never uh -huh. gonna happen. Um. So that's a tough gig for Kate. But 
I really liked where they've gone with Kate. I really liked her story arc so far, especially in five. Um, I really enjoyed that. And I'm a big Gears fan, as I said. But Pavardi was such a cool character in Outer Worlds. I mean, she just had some great missions, some great dialogue. That game is just brilliantly written. And uh, knowing that Outer Worlds 2 is coming, obviously, bigger budget now under Xbox umbrella, et cetera, et cetera, I have to imagine imagine they're going to lean into Pavardi more because she became kind of this representative character of Outer Worlds, right? And I, I know Obsidian recognizes that. But we're not doing what-ifs. We're not doing what-ifs. Yeah, so Pavardi, as cool as she was in Outer Worlds, she still is, you know, if you just go to the random person and say Pavardi, uh, obviously we know who she is, but I think at this moment in time, and we'll see what happens with Gear 6, of course, but this moment in time, it's got to be Kate. This one, this one is really, really hard for me, and this is one I've, you know, I'm still a little torn on because Kate, as you touched on, I've really appreciated the arc that they've set up with the, the new kind of Gear Saga and the yeah. the relationship that they set up with Kate and Marcus Phoenix and um, what's his son? Why am I blanking on his son's name? JD. JD. Um, like there's these interesting dynamics. And I really like what they've done there. And I really like how with Xbox characters, it's not like the cliche for a long time was like, there has to be a romance element. There has to be yeah. a romance element for the female character to exist in this world. And I think Pavardi and Kate both represent an era where that doesn't have to be the case. Like there was no romance element to either of those characters. Pavardi, my probably my favorite npc of any game i've played like that was the first time where i would actively go out of my way to bring an npc on quest with me in any game yeah. i was like i want pavardi i want to see what she says in this situation i want to take yeah. pavardi to the bar and help her work through her problems like there's no gameplay loop to that there's no like reward per se for me doing that i just wanted to interact and engage with that character so this one is really really tough and i'm i'm gonna go pavardi like oof Oof. It's not, not an easy pick by any means, but as much as I love Gears and as much as I love what they've set up with Kate and I'm excited to see the future of Kate, I just, like I said, I don't think there's ever been an NPC in a video game that's made me like just want to hang out with them in that way. And I yeah. think the writing was so incredible for pretty much everyone in that game, but Pavardi in particular. There's a reason she became this, this iconic figure for, for the Outer Worlds. And now I think the future of Xbox. So... Yeah, Pavardi for me. All right. But not all right. To, to, to your one quick point about your uh the romance thing, that's what I really liked what they set up in Gears 2, especially with Dell, because in Gears 5, Dell really comes into his own as a character too. And his relationship with Kate, right, is really deep. But there, you know, there's no romantic thing there. It's just that they're they've really developed that well. So yeah. Yeah, I thought that was beautiful. They were they were friends, and that that's really cool to see, and that's really refreshing to see. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Oh God, where does the community stand? Dun, 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 dun. Kate Diaz at 65%. Not, okay. not one I'm upset about at all. Kate Diaz, there's a reason Kate's the face of Gears now. Sorry, Marcus. Sorry, old man. Sorry. All right, here's one that a lot of people are going to probably be like, who? Who are these? Who the hell are these characters? But I'm curious for the, the longtime Xbox fans. And as you, as a longtime Xbox fan, yeah. where do you stand on Voodoo Vince versus Blinks the Time Sweeper? 
<laughs> I don't have uh this is not <laughs> like this is not like Banjo and Conquer for me where I have no, a clear allegiance, not. right? Like uh I have played both these games. I would say that Voodoo Vince was probably the better game than Blinks originally, but I don't know. I I'm gonna go completely random on this one and I'm I'm gonna go with Blinks. I'm gonna go with Blinks. Go he's with a Blinks. time he's a time sweeping cat. I mean, <laughs> come on. You know what I mean? <laughs> voodoo Vince, you know, he's a doll. He's got some voodoo going on. You know, he is what he is. And that's cool. I like the dark aspect of it. But I like cats. I like time sweeping. We're going Blinks. Going Blinks. Beautiful explanation. I'm glad that Blinks has really touched your life as a character. Stands confidently as one of the most iconic characters. Um, that's what I loved about original Xbox is they weren't afraid to get weird. We had Voodoo yeah. Vince, which was a game about a voodoo doll. And then we had Blinks, the time sweeping cat, which was about a cat with a vacuum. <laughs> and those were first party Xbox games. Those were original Xbox exclusives, but I'm going Voodoo Vince. I have such nostalgia for that game. And I don't know why I, I bought the remaster and I tried replaying it. And I was like, okay. Um, this was probably cool back in the day. I get why I liked it back in the day, but yeah. uh, I don't know that it really holds up and I don't know that people are going to rush back and play it, but I have such fond memories of that weird, quirky platformer. And I just thought that, you know, seeing the Voodoo Vince, again, as a, as a young kid, seeing the Voodoo Vince banner, I just remember thinking, oh, he looks cool. He looks like a fun character. I want to play the game that he's in. So for those reasons, <laughs> Voodoo Vince. Voodoo Vince for I, me. I know uh Phil Spencer is like a, a big guy on Voodoo Vince. Like he, he's that's like one of his favorite kind of old school Xbox games, probably that he had a hand in bringing to the platform because he, you know, was in game studios back then. So uh yeah, I'm probably gonna get outvoted on this one. I don't know. Voodoo Vince and Phantom Dust. I know Phil's a big Phantom yes. Dust fan. And yeah, yeah. um Where's the reboot, Phil? <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see where the community stands here before I get all riled up about Phantom Dust. Um, Blinks versus Voodoo Vince. Oh, dang, dude. You're in the, you're in the majority here. Blinks, Blinks. the time sweeping cat at 59% of the votes here. Okay. You got a time sweeping cat. What are you going to do? All right. Last, last one of our initial 10 here. Doom Slayer versus Vault Dweller from Fallout. (laughs) These are two, like... I mean, Doom Slayer has obviously been around a very long time, right? But I mean, from a character perspective, there's I, not. And I just mean more like the iconic power armor. Yeah, yeah, you got power. Yeah, Vault Dweller and power armor versus Doom Slayer. Oof. I don't know, man. I think this is tough. I uh, love both the franchises. Um, I think that Fallout has, uh, you know, the Fallout guy in general, right, has become incredibly iconic across all of gaming right yeah i mean he's just you you can put that in front of anyone in games they know what it is basically uh if they're over you know 20 years old 15 years old um but doom slayer man doom is a formidable uh a a formative is what i'm trying to say (laughs) game game for me and many people it basically brought first person shooting into the limelight set a foundation for everything that we know and love today uh, it changed the gaming industry in many, many ways. I built my first computer because of Doom. I literally went out and, and financed a computer I couldn't afford so that I could play Doom <laughs> at home. Uh, and and oh. Doom Slayer has been there the whole way. Obviously, he's, you know, 
he's evolved a ton over the years in the modern games the, the two new new doom games have kind of made him a little more iconic as a character with his armor and weapons you know sword from doom eternal and all that so i'm going doom slayer on this one i just think that he's more meaningful to me personally okay doom slayer i'm with you doom slayer's badass doom slayer kicks ass doom slayer slays demons it doesn't get cooler than that again very similar to master chief in from an aesthetic perspective like these yeah. two beefy dudes in armor but doom slayer has a different vibe doom slayer is a way more heavy metal and is a huge fan of heavy metal gotta throw some love to doom slayer that original soundtrack which blatantly rips off metallica blatantly rips off alice in chains like blatantly rips off all of these amazing kick-ass rock bands doom slayer baby all day every day <laughs> love fallout no disrespect to Fallout fans, but Doom Slayer, what a stud. What an absolute yeah. stud. He's a beast. But I, I just want to put out there that I've, I've seen this, this slander on Twitter sometimes saying Doom Slayer would beat Chief, and uh, we're not having that. That, well, let's not let's it. not go it doesn't have yeah. to be it doesn't have to be a versus every time i know we're in the middle of doing the verses but it doesn't have to be a versus every time you know Come on, guys all right let's see where the community stands here yeah it's clear doom slayer 78 percent. i think that's the biggest Oof. beat down of the entire show so far no i think i think chief was 80 80 something wasn't was it, it? I thought it was like 72. Maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm misremembering. You're, yeah, you're, maybe you're I'm skewing the data more. to give Marcus <laughs> a little more love here. Yeah. It was 50-50. It was 51-50, if I remember right, between That math don't check out. <laughs> okay. Now we're getting down to the just the, the five here. So now we can only have five. So now this is where things get particularly difficult because we're going to take all of these ones that we voted for, these hard-fought battles between these characters, and we're going to narrow it down to five. Mm. Five. Only the five. And it's going to make me sad because there's a possibility that Blinks maybe is one of the five. But let's see. Let's see where the community stands here. First up, Master Chief versus Senua. Are you asking me? Yeah. Pick. <laughs> Live or Chief. die. Make your choice. It's Chief, man. What? Who? <laughs> whoever... Whoever you put against Chief is going to lose. It's I know. Chief. It's, it's, yeah. Chief is the man. He will. I already. I already said my spiel. I can always defend Chief, but I. I really am curious. As we've said, right? Senua's already kind of there from a character perspective, and if they nail Hellblade Two as well as we think they're going to nail Hellblade Two, and it becomes this bigger IP that tens of millions of people play. Senua can really, really stand out as a character for Xbox, and I, I hope that happens. But uh, she'll never be Chief. No one will ever be Chief. Uh, I see Space Novakin in the chat saying, this poll is rigged. It's, <laughs> it's not rigged. It's, it's a bunch of hard decisions, and I'm sorry that this is the way the bracket is just kind of lining up here. All right, make the hard decision. Sometimes you have to, and for some people, this probably isn't that hard of a decision. Um, it's this is a tough one again master chief we're going back to the 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 original and if we're going back to the steve versus raz master chief more known more iconic but you know what i'm going senua just to mix it up here just to not be master chief as much as i love chief i'm excited about the future of senua all right i'm excited yeah. about that that chapter and what that means for the future of the industry here so senua over Master Chief for me. And let's go.
go to the community and see where they stand. <laughs> I don't even think I could click against Master Chief if I tried. Like my hand wouldn't let me. I'm literally using you're just the Halo mouse. Your chair, just... oh. I'm literally using the Halo mouse. Bias, bias. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Halo shirt on. I'm sitting in front of Halo artwork. Like... Uh, okay, all right. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Um, <laughs> Master Chief. Master Chief at 70, what percent? 74, 5 percent. A large margin for Master Chief over Senua here. Master Chief. All right, next matchup. Banjo versus Jago. Where do you stand on that one? <laughs> this is a joke, right? <laughs> is it two beloved, two beloved rare mascots stepping into the arena together? Come on, dude. Yeah, Ban Banjo and Kazooie. Yes. <laughs> it's banjo. banjo all day. I, I don't even have to speak on this one. This is Banjo. Clear as day. Clear as day. If this was, if you guys would have voted right the first time and we had Fulgore win, I would have picked Fulgore over Banjo. But now between Banjo and Jago, it's a little more interesting for me. Um, I'll go Banjo. Just, just so people don't blow me up on Twitter about it. And that's the only reason. Really. <laughs> So, you're gonna get docs next yeah i'm gonna they're coming after me they're coming after me in the chat y'all it's it's getting wild um all right so we'll give people a couple couple seconds to vote here i think this one is not gonna be uh oof that tough i think it's yeah. gonna be an absolute land oh my god this is a <laughs> i told you this was not this was not a vote this was like over before for jago just out of sympathy <laughs> this, ooh. <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut it. This, this isn't skewing in any other way. All right. According to our viewers, Banjo is more iconic in, by about 88% of people think Banjo is more iconic than Jago. All right. Next up. We're getting into the weeds here. All right, next matchup. We got BJ versus Ori. This is, again, this one's wild. Let's, let's see where... The community stands on BJ versus Ori. What the hell? <laughs> I know it's oh that's the the flaw of brackets. Sometimes <laughs> they just get they just get wild towards the end. All right, uh, where do you stand, BJ from Wolfenstein versus Ori from Ori and the Will of the Wisps? Man, this is this one's actually tough. Um... Hmm. I love platformers, right? Like some of my favorite games. I think I, I agree with everything you said about Ori um, and how perfect, well, not perfect, but you know what I mean? How incredibly well done Will the Wisp was in particular. But, 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 but. But, but, there's always a but, Ains. There's yeah. always a but. Yeah, I think I got, I think I got to stick with my boy BJ. He's, he's iconic, not just because of the new games, but because of the history he has a tie to the the fun the foundation of first person shooters, and as I said earlier, and I continue to say, he's a Nazi killer, man. You just you 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 know he's he's he does it all, man. He's got a family. He's a Nazi killer. He's foundational to the gaming industry. It's got to be BJ, man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm still I'm sticking with Ori. Love Ori. I love that you know in the world of Ori, Nazis don't exist, which is a huge plus. We don't we don't need Nazi killers in that universe. <laughs> So because of that, uh, Ori. Ori is my shade. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, give the community another couple seconds to vote here, and let's see where they all stand in three, two, one. Ooh, this one's actually a little bit closer. 
Ori taking it though at 59%. Pretty close. Pretty close. Ori. All right. Two more. Two more, and we'll have our top five. I'm really curious to see what the top five looks like at the end of this. <laughs> All right. Next matchup. <coughs> Excuse me. We have Raz from Psychonauts versus Kate Diaz. Oof. Yeah, things are getting things are getting Oof. wild and weird now. Oh man, that's tough. Yeah, where are you at that's between? Gonna... I know you love Psychonauts, and I know you love Gears. So, what yeah, about I, these I... two? Oh man, I mean, they couldn't be further apart from characters, uh -huh. and yet I love them both, and feel they both have an important place in Xbox kind of uh, Xbox's catalog of characters. Um, holy crap! All right. I'm going to go with Raz. You're going with I'm Raz. Go, okay. Yeah. I'm okay. going to go with Raz because he's that type of fun-loving, I'll say Pixar-like character that can, you know, with the success and the critical acclaim of Psychonauts 2, they can continue to build upon him, right, if they want to. And he could really become, again, kind of like we said with Senua, if they wanted to, he could really become kind of an iconic character. Kate, I feel, is. She's the face of Gears right now, but there's an arc there. Whereas in, in Psychonauts, there doesn't have to be an arc. It's a cartoon. You can just keep, you know what I mean? You can just keep making more goofy characters uh, to go along with Raz. So I, I'm going to go with Raz. This one's really tough, but I got to stick with my boy. This one is tough, but I got to go with Kate. I, I love Gears. is such an important franchise to me, and I, I can't live in a world where a Gears isn't represented in the the, the top five Xbox mascots yeah. in some capacity here. So I got to go Kate. Kate all the way, a fantastic character, great development. Again, another character I'm excited to see kind of grow and evolve within, within Xbox and the future of the franchise. So Kate for me. Mm. Kate for me all the way. All right, Fair bro. Enough. You ready? You ready to pull this bandit off and see where tough. we land? That was tough. So you, you, you did Marcus wrong right out of the gate. That's what happened. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> Kate Diaz versus Raz. What does this community of heathens think? <laughs> Raz. We got Raz. Raz over Kate Diaz. The, the blasphemy. This poll is rigged. <laughs> oh, man. This community's not letting me down today, man. I'm only, yeah. All right. Final like one. Final matchup for the top five most iconic <laughs> Xbox mascot. <laughs> and uh, y'all did this to yourself, but um, where do you stand on Blinks versus Doomslayer? <laughs> is, is that a hard pick? Is that a hard choice for you? I never thought I would be on a show talking Xbox where we had to pit Doom Slayer <laughs> the Time Sweeper. <laughs> nope, did not see this matchup coming. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't even know what to say on this one. I think this one explains itself. Uh, as funny as it would be to choose Blinks just for the hell of it, it's obviously uh, our boy Doom Slayer. Yeah, as much as I would love the memes of Blinks coming back, Blinks being on a modern era t-shirt for Xbox, yeah, Doomslayer, 100% of the time. Blinks, a weird mascot that should be forgotten to time. Hopefully <laughs> will be forgotten to time. <laughs> uh, hopefully he can sweep himself away into obscurity. Um, but yeah, I don't think this is going to be a tough one for the community, but I'm curious. Maybe there are a ton of diehard Blinks fans out there who want Blinks to get that representation, who want the, the Blinks reboot or the Blinks 
ground up remake, you know, give Blinks the the same treatment that we've seen with Spyro and Crash Bandicoot and really give Blinks an opportunity to shine. But uh, <laughs> so, I'm looking I'm looking at the poll and it's it's Face said not fair, this is animal cruelty, and then Amit says Blinks and it's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, okay. Get I'm your gonna, votes in. Let's see. Can I say one last point here? Yeah, absolutely. If, if Xbox remakes Blinks before we get a new banjo, I'll burn this whole industry to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't test me. Alright. If don't we if we don't if we get blinks before we get the Phantom Dust reboot, I am storming Xbox headquarters. That's where oh, I stand. Goodness. That's how I feel about Blinks. All right, let's see how the community feels on Blinks versus Doom Slayer. And this one is way closer than I thought it was going to be. We People got, are voting Blinks to be goofy. Come on. We got Doom Slayer at 66%. So almost 40% 40 of people here voted Blinks. And I feel like that's for the memes, but I love a good <laughs> meme. So I will allow it. I'll allow it. All right. Huge shout out to everyone who participated in this. Without further ado, let's list the five most iconic Xbox mascots and let's start um, you know, a petition to get a t-shirt with these five represented. We got Master Chief, Banjo-Kazooie, Ori, Raz, and Doomslayer. That's actually not that bad when you think about it. I think that's a pretty damn good list, actually. In, in the grand yeah. scheme of things, I wouldn't be mad. If you put all five of those characters on a t-shirt, I'd buy it. I, you yeah. know, No complaints from me. I could see some Xbox marketing with those characters for sure. <clears throat> so that's it. That those are the top five undisputed. Sorry, those are just the yeah. facts. We all have to accept these this data and just move on with our lives. This is final and there's no term limits, so we're stuck sorry. with it now. Sorry, it's it's recorded, <laughs> which means it's forever. So sorry, y'all. Um, all right, Ains, that's going to do it for today's show. I'm glad we could have some fun one more time for all the amazing people joining us, hanging out with us, who submitted their votes. Where can they get a hold of you? Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me on, Miles. You know I love chatting with you, man. I love doing the show with you. And uh, shame we had those hiccups early. It seems to be fine since. I don't know what the heck happened. But... Uh, I, I, YouTube, bless yeah, your heart. YouTube. Bless your heart. Yeah, bless your heart. <laughs> anyway, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I uh, appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Porsche Power or just look up Ains. There's... Not many of us. Um, you'll find me. And uh, like I said, just check out Season Gaming. Every Everything that we do is kind of on the site. So we have a weekly live show on Sunday mornings. Uh, we do a bi-weekly show. We've got a bunch of new kind of videos out there now on different things, talking technology, talking conversations about different aspects of the industry. Um, and just, uh, you know, it's a really good community. Really good community. Um, so check it out if you haven't. Uh, otherwise, thank you again. Appreciate uh, all of you. And thanks again, Miles. Absolutely, yeah. Go show Ains and the Seasoned Gaming crew some love, and we will catch you all next week. Have an amazing weekend, everybody.